Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Who To Be A Podcast. We've made it into double figures. My name is Raj Baines, I am your host and joining me is Rory Benson. How are you Rory? Very, very well. How are you doing mate? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, we kick off with what we have been doing over the past few shows, Beer 52, same script as always. £24 a case usually, you only have to pay £5.95 for postage. Uh, if you use the code Huddersfield, then you get that deal. All sorts of craft beers and micro brews and all sorts of stuff. You've bought one, as we've heard. Um, I've still got a shed load in my drawer we need to get through. Um, so, yeah, it's a good deal, good beer. I don't think we need to bang on about it too much. No, no, no. You endorse it. I endorse it, yeah. It's the Rory Benson seal of approval. (laughs) Which I think what people are looking for. Um, Do the quick bit of business, housekeeping. Um, Back to usual schedule next week. I'll be back in the office as per usual, so none of this here and there will be Monday and Thursday again, as usual, which uh, I'm sure people are happy about. (laughs) I know you are, Rory. Just love spending time with you, mate. <laughs> um, so, Southampton on Saturday. Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, a few and far between in the yeah, Premier League. Yeah, yeah. What did you make of the game? 0 0 isn't always the most attractive scoreline, but it was a more entertaining game than that might give the impression of. Yeah, entertaining, definitely. Uh, frustrating, also. Um, I think Town were the better team for large portions of the game, although Southampton did. Like pile on the pressure a bit in the last 20 minutes but I was watching match of the day on Saturday night and they were saying that oh yeah Southampton really should have should have gone on to win that not really if you'd looked the whole game I think Town had, that, Southampton obviously had a good chance in the first half but uh, with um, Nathan Redmond putting it wide Bertrand Header in the second half as well probably should have scored but other than that I thought Town caused Southampton more problems and you know seven points from your first three games you'd take that but I think it could have been nine. It could have been a perfect run. It could have been. I mean, it's interesting you bring up one match a day, sir, because it's, it's strange that Town still aren't getting the respect that they deserve, but we probably shouldn't be too surprised about that, given... I think it's uh, because Southampton, are an, they're an established Premier League team now. I think people still just assume... People who haven't seen like the full game just assume, oh, well, they should have won that, but... No, opinion will change at some point, like it did with Leicester. Obviously, I'm not expecting Town to go on and win the league, but at some point, people will start taking them a bit more seriously. But to be honest, I think for the Town players, for David Wagner and for the fans, I think it's better if people don't take them seriously and they can catch people unaware. With the the run of play against Southampton, it was... um encouraging that, as you say, an established team, but a team that many people would assume would finish top 10, quite settled in who they've got personnel-wise and the way they play. I don't think Manuel Pellegrino's turned up too many trees in the way he's trying to get them to play this system. It's essentially a variation on the theme of, of what Claude Puel tried to do before and mm-hmm. you know coaches before that as well with Koeman and Pochettino. So for Town to equip themselves so well against that level of Premier League opposition and to, you know, go toe-to-toe and trade blows with them and not look out of place whatsoever. And then as you look like the better team for 90% of the match, I think Southampton's pressure came in pockets rather than Mm -hmm. anything that was too sustained. There was five minutes, 
10 minutes towards the end and as you say the odd breakaway chance in the first half which they really probably should have done better with it was it was encouraging to see that you know Huddersfield really don't look worried about a better standard of opposition and what we said last time about teams trying to play football against Huddersfield came to fruition as well and it was clear that they were far more comfortable playing against that style of team than maybe the Newcastle game because I actually think this was a a better match than the Newcastle one purely because there were two teams trying to play football. Yeah, I, I I can see where you're coming from and I think Town did look, they could play their own style a bit more. The Newcastle game, I think maybe people were getting a bit more nervous um, just because Newcastle came to defend. With Southampton, you're always going to get the space that that you need going forward, uh, especially like for a team like Huddersfield as well, who who like rely on the press so much and that kind of stuff. I think, as you say, style wise, it was probably a good fit. I would argue that Southampton aren't as strong as some people might expect them to be. I don't think they're going to finish top half this year, and I don't think they are at their best on sat on Saturday as well. So, although it was definitely the hardest test for Town and. No disrespect to Newcastle and uh, Crystal Palace, but Southampton are sort of they're a different level. But I still don't see that level being that high, that much higher than than Newcastle or, or Crystal Palace. Um, and again, West Ham next. That's probably on a similar level again, and they've had a terrible start to the season. So I think hopefully, if Town can get some points on the board, we'll really start seeing what they're made of when we hit sort of you know Tottenham. And that kind of in the next few weeks afterwards. So depends if that game's at Wembley or not, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, the one biggest takeaway I took out of the game was that if Town play like that against the majority of sides in the Premier League, they'll be more than fine. It won't be even a close call when it comes to relegation because there are clearly teams that are significantly worse and consistently worse than what Huddersfield are and you can't see them turning around to the extent that they'll be able to catch up the quality and sort of the organisation that are in this Huddersfield team because Huddersfield have still got room to improve themselves this isn't Huddersfield at full tilt this is still a team with new players in significant positions and a young manager still tweaking his own ideas of how to play the game so you know, what we'd said earlier on this season has been borne out in the start they've made. And I think this international break weirdly comes at a good time for us to take stock of that and almost encourage that. So when they go into training camps this week and when they're preparing for West Ham, it's not as if they're starting from square one again. They've got an added confidence in themselves mm. to go, we're preparing to win this game and to kick on up the league and not just tread water or avoid things we can push ourselves and you know set no limits and all all those sort of buzzwords will come back into this season just as it did last time yes but as I said before I don't want to be just a massive downer but it, we are only three three games into the season and we're three reasonably straightforward games into the season I think when when Blackpool went up and was that 2010 they had a, a really, really good start and then just couldn't buy a win after sort of Christmas time. So as much as it's exciting and it's great to see Huddersfield Town up there, I would I would uh, take it with a pinch of salt and just I'd be more excited come Christmas time if Town have got 
30 points. Because then from there, you've got the base. You can either stay up or with the no limits philosophy, you can push on. So I'm, I'm reserving judgment. Great start, but I'm reserving judgment for the season. Don't want to get too carried away. Exactly. Um, if we look at individuals again, the two that stood out to me this time, just as they did in the last game, were the two Chris's, Lever and Schindler. Um, the pair of them are astonishing. The, the partnership that they've got down the left side of the defence... I think Lever's probably the most underrated member in the squad, and I think Shinda quite possibly is one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, together, they don't look flustered by the division they're playing in. They don't look out of place. They look as comfortable, if not more comfortable, than anyone else in the team. Um, the solidity and the consistency that they provide everyone else in the team is a, a real benefit and it's something that you know is is going to stand town in good stead because defense is incredibly important if you know if things do go awry as you suggest they may at some point then the thing you need to fall back on is having a better defense than you know not because if you start shipping goals and that's where the the confidence goes yeah yeah i agree with that and i would just say Gabbiadini, when he joined West, uh, Southampton, sorry, last season, he just he, te- he terrorised defences. I remember the League Cup final, or the what, what was it called back then, the yeah. EFL Cup final, <laughs> where uh, he scored two or three against Man United and just looked unplayable. And then I think he had one effort in the second half, and it just like scuffed it through to the keeper. And I think that is a real feather in the cap of uh, Schindler, Chris Schindler, and Chris Lerver as well. Because he was, you know, he he's a, a top ten Premier League striker. He's not someone that's going to be knocking around in the lower team sort of thing. He's he is a, a very very good player, um, and for them to keep him quiet for large portions of the game was was exceptional. Jonas Lossel again made a fantastic save, a few fantastic saves. I noticed when, at the end of the game when David Wagner comes on to give all of his players a big hug and and you know slap on the back and a quiet word with one or two of them and let them know. I think he had quite a long conversation with Zanker. I'm not sure what he was pointing out to him. Maybe it was his distribution again, as we touched on last time. Um, those two seemed to exchange a few words, but Lossel was one where. There was an extra big hug there. There was sort of lift him off the ground and sort of he was really pleased with him. And I think he has been as central as Lerver and Schindler to this fantastic defensive start to the season as anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's earned town points with the saves this season. The Richie save against Newcastle. If Newcastle go 1-0 up there and they park the bus, I, I don't know if town would, would have been able to break him down. And then the two at Crystal Palace as well, two unbelievable saves. I think it was at one nil and two nil. So again, that's that's points saved there. So he's had a, a sensational start. You know, three clean sheets in three Premier League games. You you, you don't get better than that for a goalkeeper. Um, which is for me that kind of his the start is why it makes it a little bit strange that Town have gone and and brought in Rob Green. I know David Wagner said that you know a bit of experience in the in the goalkeeping department is a good thing. I agree with that, but for someone like Rob Green to come in who will be on pretty high wages and he'll probably not get a game next year. I'd much rather see uh, this year. Sorry, I'd much rather see Joel Coleman play in the cup games. So, kind of, it's a strange one for me 
what what do you think about the the Rob Green move? It, it came out of the blue all of a sudden. It was sort of um, one that we hadn't really heard much about in anticipation of. It seemed to um, just crop up out of the blue. It was almost as if he'd been offered to the club for some reason. Uh, it, obviously, we've, that's just speculation, but I'm not sure what he's there to do other than provide experience because that's what Wagner have said he's there for. Um it's not the greatest endorsement of Coleman in the world because I imagine Green will be wanting to play matches. He's not just going to be there to sit on the bench. So those cup games that Coleman was likely to play in, he probably won't anymore. It's a strange situation for Schofield as well, having been promoted and um, essentially the third choice. He's now further down the rankings, you'd assume, or... Maybe he's leapfrog Coleman, you don't know. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really strange situation because that seemed one of the most settled areas of the squad as if mm. you know we had three defined goalkeepers in a very clear hierarchy. And that's, um, that's had major doubts raised over it all, all of a sudden. But um, I think he knows what he's doing. He's clearly had conversations with his goalkeeping staff and... It's clearly been a concern for them that they've not aired publicly previously. So it's one of those, if Lossell gets injured, then you know Rob Green has got the experience to come in and, and do a, a solid job. Um, whereas, you know, had Coleman had to be called on, maybe the pressure making his debut, not all those hundreds of games, all the international appearances, everything under his belt, it's a, it's a different beast. So... Maybe it's one of those on a one-year deal where you're just trying to ease yourself into league and if worst comes to worst with Lossell and there's an injury there, he's just got somebody who is um, in the most sort of obvious way possible a safe pair of hands. Well, well, <laughs> well you say that. You seem to remember, was it World Cup 2010? <laughs> well, it's... Like I say, it's a, it's a strange deal. It's one that's come out of nowhere. So I don't imagine he'll be playing too often. He's not no. there to take the the number one shirt off Lossell. He doesn't deserve to. But um, I'd be interested next time we're in a press conference, I'm sure it would be something that is, is raised and is, is questioned um, because there hasn't been too much shed on it at present. Um, and imagine there's other people covering the same transfer um, thinking fairly similar things to us. Um, if we talk about the the run of play um, in the match, it was interesting to me that Town managed to dictate the pace of the game, even though Phil Billing didn't have his best performance. He looked a bit um, fatigued, if I'm being honest, because he, he played the game in midweek as well. Mm. A younger player, he's not used to playing as many minutes as, as other players. Um, but when Danny Williams came on, he seemed to help a bit more. Um, I thought he was really impressive next to Moy in doing sort of... He's almost a halfway house between Billing and Hogg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I can see where you're coming from because I think he's he's got kind of endless energy. It seems every time I see him play, like even in the playoff final, there's people going down with cramp at the end because obviously with the extra time and stuff and, and the excitement, you put everything into it. He just kept going. He was... He just kept running. He's like the Energizer Bunny in the, in the heart of midfield. Um, and yeah, as you said, it, it, he started to make things happen because he was just hounding people. And and that's obviously what David Wagner builds his, his team around. 
I think it'll be interesting to see Jonathan Hogg's likely to be back for the West Ham game. Probably not going to get shoved in to the first team like straight away, not in the, the first 11. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when he builds into his sort of fitness a little bit more, gets sharper, whether David Wagner continues to go Moy and Billing because it's worked so far, or whether he goes Williams and Moy, or or even Hogg and Moy because that worked so well last year. So it's it's kind of one of those selection headaches that you really want to have. You've got four players in the central midfield who all offer different things and who are all first team regulars for, for quite a number of teams if, if you sort of took them out of the town squad. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens and I'm looking forward, hopefully, to seeing Jonathan Hogg on the pitch for a little bit against West Ham. Yeah, um, if I mean, there's, if he's going to make a substitute appearance, you'd imagine if Town are ahead, there's no final player to come on and help protect the lead. One player that you're quite opinionated about and somebody who is taking the place of Casey Palmer at the moment is Rajiv Van La Parra. And he's sort of, he's shown in flashes what he's able to do, um, although there hasn't been the consistency there. What have you made of his transition into the Premier League? Because he's somebody that divides opinion amongst the fan base as much as he does in the office. Yeah, he's he's just one of the most frustrating players (laughs) I think I've ever watched because because he's got such natural ability and he is he is putting the work in under the the Wagner system. He is getting up and down that wing and like he he just shows flashes of brilliance, but then there's not as you say there's not been the consistency in his end product to actually. For, for me to earn that spot above Casey Palmer I think Casey Palmer has in the Premier League you need moments of quality and I think Casey Palmer brings them more on a regular basis than Rajiv Van La Parra does I'm not saying that Van La Parra won't do that I think in pre-season he was exceptional and, and he looked like he'd kind of sorted it out over the summer didn't have the best game against uh, against Southampton, but didn't really have anything to do in in the final third, which is where you want Rajiv Van der to be. So, f- for me, I would bring in Casey Palmer personally. I think it it depends on the opposition as well. Um, but as I said before, it's just just ultimately frustrating as anything. <laughs> I think Tom Ince has played really well at number 10. It's an interesting conversation to have, especially with Sabiri joining, because it would have been the natural assumption that that would have been Palmer's place to take. But that's no longer the proposition, because he, he may well promote Sabiri above Palmer if he feels um, that's a better option. So it's it's a strange situation again. It's almost like the goalkeepers again, where this, there was a hierarchy previously, but with new introductions, we almost have to reevaluate where the players stand in the squad. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to see that in real time is is quite interesting because we're well aware that this team operates as a meritocracy, and there's nobody who gets in on reputation alone or past performance. It's all about how well they've trained, how well they get along with the manager in terms of doing what he wants them to, rather than just being his mate. Um, and I think that's a really interesting way for the team to run because sometimes there are selections made, Van der Parra being one of the probably more standout ones, that fans don't particularly understand. But Wagner is always happy to do that because there is obviously an understanding present between him and his players that if you 
fulfil certain objectives for me, then you will be re- rewarded with a, a place in the team. Yeah, I think that's the pre-season that he had. That's one of the reasons why he's starting so many games. Because, well, so many games he's only had. <laughs> but, and, and that's understandable. For me, if you're talking about... You, you can't just ignore the past, though. And, and Tom Ince on the wing for Derby last season was their top scorer and, and was you know one of the better wingers in the championship um i think he's kind of i thought it, he's not had the influence that he had in pre-season in the premier league so far i think he's still sort of finding his feet a little bit um but i don't think although he's played some games at number 10 i don't think he is going to be an a number 10 for the whole season i think david wagner sees him as a winger and now that he's got sabiri in there he can he can basically say right, Tom, you're going to play on the left wing for us now. That's it. Sabiri and Palmer are going to be in the middle, and then and then Kwana and and Kachunga on the right. So no, it'll be interesting to see what does happen because he may he may well just say right, we've got three number tens now. But I think I think personally, I'd play him on the wing because of the season he had last year. Out of the three players who play behind the lone striker, I think the one that's sort of as nailed on as anyone else is Kachunga because he's you know just solid yeah. he's, he does what he needs to do he's great defensively he's one of the most exciting players we have going forward he, the, he epitomises the terrier identity that David Wagner's trying to bring like he's, he's endless energy up and down and the closing kind of it seems like every every week he seems to close someone down and make something happen from it. And that just picks the crowd up. And I think that's exactly what David Vaughan wants. And that's why he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. I think, was it Ryan Bertram that he turned inside out on a break? It was fantastic to watch. Probably one of the chances that Town should have done better with. And, you know, had they done better with, the the game would have likely been a win, uh, which has made it as frustrating as it is. But if we we move on from that match, um, because there are going to be games in, in this division where you don't get the result you deserve. That's just yeah. the way it works. Um, with the international break, there's there's five players out on international duty. Aaron Moy, obviously, uh, with Australia, I think he's got Saudi Arabia and Japan to play. Japan and Thailand is uh, Thailand. Yeah. Uh, they always seem to play Saudi Arabia. That's why it's yeah. Happen. They're in the group in the the World Cup group, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Uh, Lossell and Zanker in the Danish first team. Uh, Billing is in the under twenty ones, which is interesting because. If he continues performing the way he does in the Premier League, you'd imagine he'd be in the first team. I know there's a few Danish journalists um, who have floated the idea of Billy and Ericsson forming a partnership, which sounds exciting on paper. Um, and Kachunga, uh, if I can say his name <laughs> properly, um, is out with uh, Dr. Congo. Dr. Congo, yeah. Yeah, so... There's going to be more internationals, you feel, the further on we go. It's almost a shame that Lever and Schindler are German because there's, there's so many players ahead of them. You have, if they're a different nationality, they'll probably be getting in. Yeah, well, I was writing something about the internationals earlier today and I had the, the team in front of me and I just thought, well, does he play internationally and does he? And then a few of them don't, whereas you expect them to. Um, obviously, Steve Mounier's a Benin international, but he's not playing this, this weekend. Um, because it's just they're already out of the the World Cup qualifiers, I think. So okay, just got a friendly match against 
Equatorial Guinea. Or Equatorial Guinea, yeah. yeah. You were telling me the only African... What was it? Only African nation to speak Spanish as their first language. So you spent some time on their Wikipedia page today. <laughs> I listened in GCSE Spanish, pal. The other former international on the book, who is probably former on the books by the time the podcast comes out or is on his way to being former, is uh, Jason Davidson, latterly of the under-23s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes as much sense as anything, doesn't it, that uh, he's being released. Uh, they've clearly shopped him about and nobody was interested. They've sent him on loan. He didn't do well enough to get a move. Nobody seems to want to take him on loan or permanently. David Wagner's been very clear and very direct with what he thinks of him um, in press conferences. Almost, uh, He's a very warm man, David Wagner, but if you ask him about Jason Davidson, it's um, it's very short and very cold the way he speaks about him. I'm not too surprised given that um, when he first came into the, the, the club, Wagner, Davidson came out and sort of complained and said he should have been playing more and uh, made noises that you wouldn't expect him to given how good a player he is. Um, and since then, he's almost been ostracised. And I think um, it's a show of power and a, a, a cautionary tale for other players to see how Davidson has been trekked given his behaviour previously. Because we know how bubbly a character, how well Wagner gets on with other players and, and things. But if you perform with the wrong attitude and, and don't... Um, don't commit yourself 100% to what is trying to be done at Huddersfield Town, then the manager will have no qualms with moving you on. Yeah, I I think you can see that more in who he's brought in. He's brought in sort of Chris Lerver, Chris Schindler, all these all these players who don't have an attitude, it seems. They're, they're all sort of captains and leaders, but they don't have that... They don't really have an ego if... You know, obviously we we don't speak to them that regularly, maybe once a week, but they just come across as nice people who've bought into the squad. They've not come here to, you know, earn loads of money. They've not come to to promote to push their career forward. They've come to Huddersfield Town and they've bought into the football club, and they're all pulling in the right direction. That's what David Wagner emphasises more than anything. I think it doesn't really matter how good Jason Davidson is. If he was as good as Chris Lerver but still had an attitude problem, he would not get picked. That's just how it works with David Wagner. And the flip side of that as well is that if he was a player that struggled but had the same attitude as Christopher Lerver, he'd probably be given a chance and a a chance to improve and Wagner would want to work with him. But the fact that he is both a limited player and has the wrong attitude means that his fate has been sealed um, in the manner it has. Um, And I think that is... um, I think that's a very good place for the club to find itself in, to have the confidence in themselves and in their squad to say, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or or what you do, nobody's bigger than the club and what we're trying to do here at present. Um, I think that's something the fans will be pleased to sort of hear and see an example of. Um, Because, you know, given the way football is played now, given the money in the game, given the the power that players have to move and, and how well Town are playing at present, there will be interest in, in some players and, and if suddenly they start downing tools, doing a Coutinho and all that sort of things, um, you'll be safe knowing that David Wagner's not going to take that, which is, is where you want to be. I mean, 
Huddersfield are a club that you imagine maybe one or two players think they can take advantage of, but with the current regime in place, especially with the relationship between Wagner and Hoyle, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think either of them take any business. They, you know, they, they know Dean Hoyle runs... I can't speak highly enough of both Dean Hoyle and David Wagner. Dean Hoyle is is a fan of the club and what he everything he does is in the club's best interest. So for someone, I'm not saying that Jason Davidson has or anything, but for, for someone to think that they're bigger than the club or, or anything like that, it's a, you know, complete no. And the sort of belief that Hoyle has in Wagner as well means that any decision that Wagner makes, he, it's going to be backed anyway. So if he does leave someone out, Dean Hoyle's like, yeah, fair enough. If he doesn't have the attitude that you want or if he isn't the sort of player that you want, then fair enough. And I think, you know, it's, again, it's it, they're just two two guys who are on the right wavelength, the same wavelength and the right wavelength. And I think, you know, any decision that David Wagner makes about the squad, you can't really complain about because just look what he's done to this club in the last year. If we have a look at the international break as well, there's a planned trip to Hamburg next week in next weekend. You can tell I'm on sort of cough medicine, can't you? Because I can't speak properly. I think I brought the drowsy stuff. I shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah, Hamburg next weekend. You're off on the trip. Yes, I am. Um, again, nice little holiday for you after the <laughs> Austria trip. Says the guy who's been away the last two weeks. <laughs> Working. Um, but it's it's interesting that this seems to be a, a pattern for town, something that the club are, are invested in, going away together. I imagine the family's going to be invited again, uh, play a game abroad, play a different opposition, bond, make sure that the tightness and the familiarity is there, especially with new players coming in. Um, it seems as if this is a... A formula that they're going to stick with as as long as they can. Yeah, I think the the thing to highlight about that is that they've they've had three new players come in over the last week. I think that that's the reason that they're going to Hamburg to play uh, Altona. Um, they just want to bed in those new players. They also want to keep that sort of winning feeling going. And Altona, a fourth division German side, it's you know town should win. Although they held West Ham to a three three draw in pre season. But but we know what West Ham have done after that anyway. So. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's it's a good decision. You want to just keep that momentum going. You want to bed the players in. You want that atmosphere and the squad to to be the same. And you know David Wagner used that you know these trips quite a lot last year, and it seemed to work there. So I think it's important for the squad to have a bit of a change of scenery as well because it can probably get a bit samey training twice day in day out at canal side every week whereas you know if you've got a trip to look look forward to you know who you're going to be around it's a new experience a new team to play and all that sort of thing you'd imagine they'd be more engaged during that trip than they would be just doing the same thing over and over again at, at canal side yeah and i'd also say in terms of nationalities in the squad english players you know if like me, if if I'm going abroad, I, I'd quite like to go abroad, so I don't really mind where we go. But the fact that they've gone to Hamburg, which is in northern Germany next to Denmark, and you've got three Danish players and a load of Germans in the squad, I don't think that's 
they've looked at that and thought, right, well, then the, the Danish players can go back home for a few days before or afterwards, and the German players can as well. So I think everyone gets sort of, they, they get to still be with the squad, but they also get to be at home for a little bit. And I think that's something that, that needs to happen to, to keep all your squads happy and together. Because we spoke to Jonas Lursel last week and his family hadn't come over and that kind of thing. So for him to get time at home as well as be able to continue playing for town and be with the squad I think it's only a good thing Dave Wagner's a frequent flyer between Germany and England as well so I think it's something that he values as well as the the ability to experience home as well as your yeah. home away from home and, yeah. and that which is why I think I imagine I'm not 100% sure on this but I imagine the families will go out as well with the English players and for the, the, the German families who haven't moved over they'll be able to meet as well so it's quite a unique thing that because usually these things are a glorified away day, bit of a booze up. You know, some managers will take them to Dubai and hardly train, do you know an hour or two of ball work in the afternoon, and then they'll just spend a bit of time together in casinos and in the bars and whatnot. And you know, it'll be a bit of a lads' holiday. That'll be the extent of what they do. Whereas similar in a in a, in a manner that is befitting of the way the club is run in terms of a community and a family where it's far more intimate and, and far more laid back and um, personal the way that Huddersfield tend to run these trips, which is, I imagine from a, a fan perspective, it's quite nice to see that these players don't just see each other on the field and, and have a relationship there, but their families are interacting, they're interacting off the field. And, and I think you can see that togetherness in the the way they perform and again if we're going to um, contrast that to the attitude that maybe a player like Jason Davidson would have you can see why the club would be so keen to make sure that anyone who does dissent is as far away from the core group as possible mm-hmm. I'd, I'd also say one thing I'd highlight about Towns trips abroad are that they're quite hard work you know the players will be the training schedule will not change. While they're abroad, they'll be, you know, in on the training ground running for as long as David Wagner says they're running for. Um, whereas, as he said, you see some sort of teams going to Dubai and, you know, a bit of ball work. No, Huddersfield Towns will not be like <laughs> that. It will be, you know, double training sessions similar to pre-season, I imagine. Thrown up by the side of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Hard work for everyone but you. I'll be running and writing at the same time. <laughs> um, but uh, what what have you learned about the opposition apart from the fact that they're fourth tier? Is there anything? Not really. They're they're a, a quite an old established team in Germany, but they're not. I don't think they've ever really been in the top flight. So. Is it um, tickets going on sale for Huddersfield fans or anything? I'm not sure actually. I don't know if the club. Have You'd imagine any, they would because uh, it's something that's. Details. It's something that they do quite often because there are a core group of fans who do like going on the yeah. away it, days. It also is in a stadium. It's not on a training ground. So you'd imagine there, there'd there be a stand there. It might be similar to Austria in that, you know, it's a very small stadium. But Well, that sort of thing feeds into, again, the intimacy of the trip mm. is that if there is members of the core fan base and people who can afford and, and have the time to go over then the players and the manager are very good at lending their time to those people as well yeah. and, and making sure that there's a, a connection between the squad and the fan base as well as just in between themselves because 
one thing that I know Dean Hoyle is very fond of is making sure that everyone is kept as honest as possible um, in terms of not being hidden away or you know being too celebritized by the fan base. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's why Canal Side is like it is it's open to the public, and when you have that connection with the fans, you also understand what it means to them to pull on the shirt, um, and that's something that has been built upon by David Wagner and Dean Hoyle since they've both been at the club. Is there any? There's no other games, is there? There's just that one match. Just the one match on the Sunday, and then they're back for a week's worth of training at home again before West Ham on the following Monday. Monday, correct? Yes. Which is a long time between matches, isn't it? It's almost three weeks. Yeah, it's it's it, it just it felt it's just fallen weirdly for them to have West Ham on the Monday. It's on television. It is on television. Yeah, it's Monday night football. But you know, I think the fans would rather it be on the Saturday because you don't it's want to wait. It's a nightmare to go extra, on London yeah. on a Monday night. Um, but we'll talk more about West Ham on a later podcast, probably next, next week, Thursday. Thursday. Um, I think that's everything. We got through everything fairly quickly today. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, don't want to be in this room with you with your illness. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably catch a lurgy. Um, if you want to listen to old podcasts where I'm in better health than I am today, uh, you can go on iTunes and Audio Boom. And if you leave reviews and five stars, if you're kind to us and things like that, then we'd be very appreciative. Apparently, that sort of thing helps. Uh, you follow us on Twitter at OTBA Pod. Um, you can send us questions there or to the email address, which is podcast at examiner.co.uk. Um, any questions to there are really welcome. It'll, you know, we'll answer them. Every question that's ever been sent to us, I think we've answered on air or, or at least tweeted back to. Um, and the Beer 52 offer as well. I don't need to go through that again, but uh, save yourself 20 quid, buy yourself some beers and use the code Huddersfield on beer52.com. Rory, I will speak to you on Monday. Yes, I'll speak to you then, Wie had dat gedacht? Van shoppen in Milaan naar achter de koopjes aan. <laughs> Gelukkig heeft Telford Smart Pakkers. Niet het laatste model telefoon, maar wel de beste prijs. <laughs> dat is toch genieten? Geniet ook zonder te veel te betalen met Telford Smart Pakkers. Zoals de Samsung Galaxy S7 met 1 gig en 150 minuten. Nu voor maar 26,50 euro per maand. Doe hier voordeel mee, Telford. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.